Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. Bibles to the book of Psalms, chapter 119, the longest chapter in the Bible. I'm only going to read to you one verse. Verse 37. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me. In your way. You may be seated. Turn my eyes away from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. We live in a world of distractions. We have good distractions and bad distractions. There are things that have our attention that are okay, things that have our attention that are not okay. And there are things that are okay that have our attention, but when we give them too much attention, it's no longer okay. We live in a world of distractions. I don't know, uh, there's some of you I'm sure that can remember, because I can remember having rabbit ears on my TV when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was my dad's TV tuner, my brothers and I. And uh, we had rabbit ears, and... uh, you would have to adjust those on the TV to pick up the signal on the air to get the clearest picture as you could get. But sometimes the signals would be all jumbled and you would get multiple channels showing up on the same screen. And it would be cutting in and out, in and out, in and out. And the program you wanted to watch, you'd be watching it, boom, another channel would show up for just enough to be obnoxious to ruin the show you were watching. Anybody remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. And so you would get up and you'd play with them and you would adjust them some more and, and uh, you know, try to get it fixed. But it was, everything was vying for the screen on the TV. Mm-hmm. All these signals were vying for the screen airtime, uh-huh. right? Uh, and then the technology wasn't advanced enough so that you could have what you have today. So the antennas depending on how, how pricey they were, whether they were on the ceiling or on your roof or whether you had them on top of your TV, whatever the case may be, the picture wasn't always clear. It was always distractions on it. It was always fuzzy or the, the cutting in and, and cutting out, depending on the weather, mm-hmm. right? If you have satellite TV, you still deal with that today. Yeah. The snows or wind and heavy rain, your picture will cut in and out uh, because of the interference you can't focus what's on the screen because of the interference that's on the outside. We have distractions in our lives that are destroying us. They have taken our focus away from our one true love, our first love. They've caused us to turn away from focusing on him and his will to focusing on our own will and purposes. They've dramatically impacted our decision-making, our energy level as it relates to spiritual things. It has dramatically impacted 
our spiritual ability to tune in to what the Holy Spirit is saying. To pray, to be disciplined in the spiritual realm. To operate in the fruit of the Spirit. To live according to the fruit of the Spirit. Because the picture is always fuzzy. We've distracted ourselves. We're worried uh, about what's happening to so, so, and so on this TV series. What's going to happen next week? (laughs) And we're worried about what's going to happen in the next chapter of the book that we're reading. And we're worried about, uh, you know... You know, other things in our lives that maybe are blessings, but we've allowed those blessings to take our attention from the one who provided the blessing. Amen. So we're no longer walking. Our eyes are looking at worthless things. See, when you're declaring something's value, something gets its value based on what's around it. Right? I mean... Kelly, something that's valuable to Kelly may not be valuable to you, but it's valuable to her because of what's in her life. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And then on a global scale, uh, the world assigns value to things. For example, gold, right? Money, houses. So while something may be considered to be valuable in my mind and in my small realm or even in the eyes of the world, does not mean it's not worthless as it relates and compares to God. Even the blessing that God gives us does not compare to the God who gave them. Amen. Amen. But we worship the blessing and not the blesser. Wow. We honor the blessing and not the blesser. Wow. And so uh, when I, when God gave me the vision for this church, and that was the verse he laid on my heart. Psalm 119, 37. Turn my eyes away from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. I was thinking about the outside. A world that's lost from God. A world that thinks that they don't need God. A world that thinks that they have it all together. A world that thinks that they don't need heaven. God burned in my heart this week as I was reading. And I read this passage, this verse again. And he pricked my heart. He pricked my heart. Convicted me that I'm his child, yet I focus on worthless things. And that even his children get distracted by worthless things. Amen. That we honor the temporal instead of the eternal. That we focus on the temporal and not the eternal, not the spiritual. I'm guilty, and you're guilty. And what happens is, is that you, you and I focus on worthless things. We become increasingly focused on that which is not important. And we no longer walk or operate in what God wants us to walk and operate in. That's why we need to be revived in his way. Literally, his words, his truth, his promises. 
We need to be revived at who he has revealed himself to be and understand that he is the one who gives all things. He is the provider of all good things in our life, the giver of all good things. And he's the one that deserves to be worshipped and honored. I don't know why this is so heavy on my heart this morning, so bear with me. But the worst thing that we can do is to allow those worthless things to keep us from honoring God with our life. Amen. Our time. Our prayer. Studying His Word. And our worship. But that's what we do. Good things enter our lives and we become so distracted with the good things that we forget about the one who gave the good things. Amen. Right? We make excuses whether it's over wealth or whatever the blessing may be. Of suddenly why that has taken the place of God in our life. Something that we know we wanted, we thought we wanted, and God gave us the answer to our prayers, but now <coughs> we're now focused on that and not Him. Amen. I've done it in my life a million times. I think at all, uh, at all points we've done it. We focus on the things that the world has to offer and not on the one who created the world. Amen. We focus on the things that this world provides. That the enemy of this world created. Right? Where he perverted that which God put in place to be as a distraction to God's children. In the Bible, there are many examples of people who turned and looked at worthless things. You've, uh, you've got uh, Mary of Martha is a good example in Luke chapter 10. And that wasn't a bad thing. Jesus was coming. What would you do if Jesus was coming to your house? You'd want to get it cleaned up, make sure there were no dirt on the floor and no bugs in the corners and anything you'd want to make sure and if she was obviously a servant she is cooking and making sure there's good food for him and the 11 disciples or 12 disciples and for her brothers and the fa- her brother and the family and everyone so not necessarily was she doing a bad thing uh, but uh, she Martha was working hard to make sure everything was in order but Mary her sister, I like to imagine Mary was her younger sister, though I'm not quite sure if she was or not. I don't remember. <laughs> Just because I, my little brother, I, I resent him for the very same reasons. But uh, <laughs> Mary, Mary decided that it was more important to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him and talk to him and listen to what he had to say and be in his presence. While Martha, while she loved Jesus, there is no question about it that she loved Jesus. She honored Jesus. But she chose to stay away and serve and prepare to make sure that everything was looking good and smelling good and was going to taste good. And so she isolated herself to the house to prepare while Mary was right at his feet. And Jesus, when Martha complained to Jesus, which she did, which I would have done, Jesus, why is Charlie allowed to sit here and do nothing while I do all the work just like I did to my mama? Mama, why am I mowing and he's sitting in here eating cookies? I don't get it. <laughs> right? Martha came to, to Jesus and said, why do you understand here? I'm doing all this work. Look at me. I'm sweating. I'm slaving over this meal for you and the, the, your, your men, you know, your fathers, disciples, and all these people. I've made sure the house is clean. I'm trying to get everything together. Make her do something. And you know what Jesus said to her? He said, Martha, your cares are many. This is Curtis's paraphrase, but this is what he said. Your cares are many. Your worries are many. Your concerns are many. But Mary has chosen the good thing. 
and it won't be taken from her. Mm. Now, preparing a meal for Christ was not wrong. Preparing a place for them to be comfortable was not wrong. Allowing it to dominate her time with him was wrong. For he was there, and instead of getting through it and, and everything, she had to make sure everything was perfect, and everything was exactly the way it was supposed to be, and everything was this, and everything was that, so that she could put on a spread that was impressive. But what God, what Jesus was impressed with was not the biscuits and gravy. He was impressed with the Mary being at his feet listening to what he had to say. Right? She wanted to impress him. She wanted to put on a show. While that in of itself, serving him and meeting him was not a problem, taking it to the level of it interrupting her time with him, that's when it became wrong. That's when it became worthless. When we're so busy doing that we're not focusing on Christ, it doesn't matter what we're trying to do. Amen. If I'm so busy trying to serve God that I'm not spending time with God, then it's worthless. Right? If I'm trying so hard to do things uh, outside my family to serve others, to serve people, but I'm ignoring my family, I'm ignoring my relationship with God, guess what? It's worthless. Right? My eyes are looking at worthless things. Because anything that takes place of God in our lives is an idol. Right? And even good things can become idols. Because our focus is on relationship with Him. And from the relationship, the service flows. It starts with the relationship and then the service. It doesn't start with service and equal relationship. That's why the Jews had it wrong. When Jesus, right? They said, you got to serve to get relationship. But Jesus said, no, not anymore. You have relationship and then you serve. Right. It causes you to serve. So in the busyness of our lives, as we're running back and forth, and we're trying to do this, we're trying to do that, in and of itself, it's not a bad thing. But when it takes us away from Christ, it becomes worthless. Because remember, above all things, Christ is the most valuable. So anything compared to him, anything that challenges him, anything that tries to knock him off of the throne is worthless in comparison. Right? Anything. Look, I tell you this, but your children are not meant to replace God. My children are not meant to replace God. My job is not meant to replace God. My home is not meant to replace God. Anything in my life that I elevate above God becomes an idol, and in comparison to God, it's worthless. Right. People don't like to hear that, right? My, my child's valuable. I love my boys. I would die for my boys. Don't get me wrong. I would die for my wife. I would die for my granddaughter. I would, I would give my life for them. But the minute they become more important to me than God, they have become an idol, and compared to God, they are worthless. It ain't popular to say, but it is a fact. Right? The minute that I elevate anything into the position of God in my life, I've made it an idol, and I am worshiping it and not Him. And we do that with good things in our lives. Mm -hmm. Things that that should not be that way, but we become so preoccupied and so focused on those things that we make them God, and we serve them instead of the Creator. Right? And, and, and we're no longer uh, doing the things that we were doing for God. Or we use them excuses. We use these things as excuses. We use our jobs. When I was uh, younger and I was working so very hard to move up the, the food chain, I was working so hard. I was working 16, 18 hours a day, five to six days a week, doing everything, volunteering to do everything because I wanted to move up and, you know, just learn everything I could possibly learn. 
um, guess what? My job became an idol. And I started missing stuff. Missing church, midweek service. The excuses not to come home was work. Well, even though I was doing it for good reasons, I was working hard. I wanted to provide for my family. I wanted to be promoted. I wanted to do more and be given more responsibility. Learn, learn, learn. So I could grow, grow, grow. I made it an idol. And while God gave me favor and gave me the opportunities, he never intended for me to make those opportunities my God. Right? Right. And it will destroy you. And ultimately, he had to put me in my place. You know what he did? He laid me off for almost 10 months. To where I had nothing to do but sit and go, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Right? That is a fact. And I have not been that way since, not to that level. But that driven more, 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 more. He laid me off for 10 months to let me know that he can give and take away. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, and it didn't matter how hard I worked, but I made it an idol. I tried to make it equal with him, and nothing was equal with him. And there's only one place for idols. It's to be tore down. Crash. When the Ark of Covenant was taken by the Philistines, and they put it in the, in the temple of their false god, what happened? Every time the Philistines came in the next day, guess what was happening? The altar was fall down. Dagon was broken. <coughs> Every time, they put it back up. Uh, the first time he just fell down, I believe it was the second time they came back in, his head was, his head was broke off. Yeah. Right? Because uh, idols, when put next to God, will there's no place for something to be destroyed. Yeah. You and I try to elevate idols next to God and leave them there. And the reason that we're, oh, I don't know why I'm going this direction. The reason we're unhappy and we're uncomfortable and we're conflicted is because we're literally building our idol next to God every day and building it up again. And he tears it down and we build it up again. And he tears it down and we build it up. It cannot stand next to him. Only, uh, he, he's got to be destroyed. It cannot be with him. It cannot be in his presence. But we build it up every day. And it tears down. We're conflicted all the time because all we're doing is building idols. Idols, idols. We're just too stupid to realize that it's the ark in the temple. You know what I'm saying? We're too stupid to realize that you can't set an idol next to God and expect it to make it. Wow. No man can serve two masters. Silly, so love one and hate the other, or hate the one and love the other. Wow. Amen. Right? And we create these idols and we make blessings idols and we turn them into idols. But anything that we turn into an idol cannot sit next to God or take God's place. It has no place but to be destroyed. Amen. Good, bad, ugly. So if we have anything in our lives that's keeping us from serving him, I mean really serving him. Look, folks, I'm just going to tell you, I'm tired of people talking about what they're going to do. I do it myself. This is what I'm going to do. we got to do something. Right. You know what I'm saying? we got, we, we got stuff to do. There's people to tell about God. There's people to worship or to tell about how good God is. There's people to, 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 to tell about God's grace and mercy and to, to be the answer for them. Uh, but we just talk about it. We talk about it. Why? Because God is not the primary. We have idols. There's no other reason. If we're not talking about God, if we're not witnessing to others, it means that we're not worshiping the right God. And you can like it, not, it, not like it, be mad at me for saying it, but that is a Amen. fact. Amen. If I'm not serving God, I'm serving an idol. Amen. Amen. That is a fact. We don't like to hear it. It hurts. It's convicting. I'm stepping on my own toes, but it is the truth. Amen. If we're not serving God, we're serving an idol. Because if I'm serving God and I really believe who God is, I cannot help but tell people about His goodness and His greatness and His mercy and His grace. It will shine through me. I'm, listen, I will want 
to be in his presence and I will want to be in his house and I will want to read his word and I want to talk to him and I want to worship him when he is God of my life and I'm not worshiping an idol. Praise God. I want to. No one will have. The pastor will have to convict me. The pastor will have to yell at me. The pastor will have to tell me to pray. The pastor will have to tell me to read. The pastor will have to tell me to worship. I'll do it because I'm worshiping God, not an idol. That's good. Right? Right. I'll serve. I'll do. I'll be in his house. I'll do what I know I'm supposed to do because I'm serving God no matter how tired I am, no matter how many excuses I have, no matter how many ways I can justify it. I will serve God because he is God. Amen. When I make excuses... And I just make excuses to not be in God's house, to not be involved in God's work. When I make those excuses, those excuses are related to an idol, not to who God is. God will never excuse bad behavior. Amen. Never in a million years will God excuse bad behavior. Never. And it's time for the world and us and me and you to realize that your excuse is not God's excuse. And my excuse is not God's excuse. I had a teacher years ago aggravated me to death when I was in high school. And whenever we'd mess up, even if it was for legit reasons, sick or whatever, he would look at us and he would say, if you need an excuse, you have one. Mm -hmm. Every time. And what he was saying is, if you are so weak that you need an excuse, or you're so uncommitted that you need an excuse, well, you've got a valid excuse user. But it was, a, it was actually a negative thing, right? Because he was saying, if you want to do something, you'll do it. If you want to be in God's house, you'll be there. If you want to be where God is, you'll be there. If you want to pray, you'll pray. If you want to serve, you'll serve. If you want to study his word, you'll study his word. If you want to do those things, you'll do it, and you won't make excuses. When you're making excuses, you need to look and see if you're looking at God or an idol. Man, I didn't mean to go this direction. I'm not going to apologize. Uh, That's the bottom line. And until the church stops worshiping idols... And they start to worship God. We're going to continue to have what we have. Amen. Apathetic, weak, anemic wow. Christians. Wow. Lord help us. Right? That's what we'll have. Why? Because we're worshiping idols. They can't do anything. We're like the God's people of Baal. Worship of Baal, expecting them to answer and do something for them. Knowing full well the one true God is right there waiting. He, oh, he's revealed himself to you before. He's worked miracles in your life before. He's answered prayers for you before. He's healed you when you're sick. He's given you what you've asked for. He's made provision. He's protected. But for some reason, we still stinky come back to Baal. After everything God's done for us, we chase after Baal. I'm guilty Amen. of chasing after Baal. This is good. Even after what God's done for me. And then I wonder why in the way I am. Right? What's going on? Why are there problems? Why do they just keep mounting up over and over again? Well, God says, look, uh, he actually said in the Bible when they were called on him, uh, or when they went to, Eli- uh, to Elisha, I'm sorry, when they went to Elisha and was complaining, and we talked about this, about what was going on, he said, go, go talk to your gods. Leave me alone. Why, why are you talking to me? 
That's how God, I'm sure, feels when we replace him with an idol. Go, go talk to, to that. Go talk to your boss and see if he can heal your sick. Mm, wow. All right, let, let's see if that, that child can heal your mama. Right? Let's see if your money can do something. Man, this is good. Go check your God and ask him to help you out. Because we create idols. We honor them. We worship them as God. And if you're a believer in Christ, if you create those idols, it's possible. But they will make you uncomfortable. Amen. Because in the presence of God, they have to be torn down. And then we build them up again. It's like the, uh, the old Greek myth where the guy's his curse was what? Stand at the bottom of the mountain, push a stone up every single time. Every time he got up to the top, it rolled back down again. That's what we do. We got our big boulder stone of idol, and we work and we push it all the way up to the top, but it can't stand in God's presence. It just rolls all the way back down again. But then we build it again. Mm-hmm. We're weak and we're tired and we're spiritually drained. And we wonder why. It's because we're, 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 we're put all of our effort behind an idol and not behind God. All our relationship involves an idol and not with God. That's good. It, 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 it's, the, it's the facts. We gotta, no one is saying that you have to do everything. But I'm going to tell you right now, being here once a week is not enough. Amen. When's the last time you and I try to expand our territory through prayer? When's the last time I pray for others instead of about myself? Remember the, the story of the, the Pharisee and the, and, and, and the tax collector. And the Bible says that the Pharisee prayed about himself. Mm-hmm. Many of us pray about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is we're praying about everything that directly relates to us. I'm bad about that. I'm very selfish, self-centered. When I pray, I have to constantly make a decision. I have to pray about myself. I'm selfish. You guys know me. I'm selfish. I'm self-centered. I'm full of self-pity. I'm all those things. I'm depressed. All of... So, like, I have to make conscious decisions not to just pray about me. Right? Pray about only what concerns me. But how many of us just do that? We pray about only what concerns us. I pray about my daughter, my son, my child. I pray about my mom. I pray about my dad, my grandpa, my grandma, blah, blah, blah. How many of us pray for the neighbor down the street? Mm. Wow. Mm. Right? How many of us have thought about inviting the neighbor next door to church to be in God's house? How many of us are praying for our communities? Literally praying for your community. I'm not talking about platitudes of saying I'm praying for our community. I mean, when is the last time you said, God, save Stafford. God, save Falmouth. God, save Spotsylvania. God, save Fredericksburg. When's the last time you and I prayed that? Right? Mm-hmm. They're not going to come from the north, south, east, and west until you and I are ready to pray and work and serve. And we're serving the creator and not an idol. That's, that's when they'll come. Right? That's when God will move. That's when God will make. Because he's not going to send anything that you and I are not ready for spiritually. Wow, that's good. Until you and I can worship and honor him and praise him without being begged, poked, prodded, needled, and uh, essentially just begged to do stuff. Why should God send anyone into this house? We need we wonder why God is not filling the house. Look, I'm going to tell you flat out. I'm thankful for great services. I love his presence. I love that we have three or four weeks of just amazing services. God, you are wonderful. But guess what? I don't want just that. I want to see lives changed and souls saved. I want to see something tangible happen. You know, I love God's presence. Don't get me wrong. But when someone gets touched, I want to see a change. I don't want to see them back the same way they were before. I don't want superficial 
spiritual touches. I want touches that change from the spirit man, the inside, to the dead, the outside. Check it out. That's what I want to see. I want to see true worship and true prayer. Where one prays and worships from a heart of love to God. Ask God, say, God, teach me how to worship. Teach me how to pray. Amen. I've been in church since I was five years old. I've been praying since that time. And I still ask God to teach me how to pray. Yeah, amen. Tell me what to pray for, God. Yeah. Teach me how to pray. Teach me how to worship. Teach me to worship at home like I do on Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Teach me, guide me, grow me. But he can't do it if I'm not listening, striving, seeking, serving him. He can't teach me. He can't show me. He can't speak to me because I'm tuned into the wrong thing. That's right. My eyes are looking at worthless things. Oh God, turn my eyes away from looking at worthless things and revive me Amen. in your way. Amen. How many of us are willing to pray that? That's good. Turn my eyes away. From looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Revive me in your word. That's the question. And here's the thing. Do I listen? Do you listen to this message today and say, Pastor was me? Or you sure wasn't loving today. Maybe he wasn't talking to me. And then I leave and nothing changes. Or do I say, well, maybe, maybe I need to look at what's going on. Maybe I am serving an idol. Maybe I am building an idol up every day and trying to replace God. Maybe I am doing those things with all the stuff in my life and I don't realize I'm, I'm, I'm even doing it or, uh, and so I'm not serving and giving everything that I got to him. Amen. Cannot hear God if I'm not focused upon God. I cannot see God if I'm not looking at God. I cannot pray for God to bring change if I'm not looking at the one who gives the change. No idol can change me. No idol can bring me permanent hope, joy, or happiness. It may bring temporary joy and happiness. But guess what? That idol eventually will rebel against you. Amen. When your kids are your idol, guess what? One day they'll be teenagers, and then they won't be your idol so much anymore. Mm-hmm. If your job is your idol, one day you're going to get a boss that don't like you very much. And guess what? He's not going to be your idol anymore. He'll turn against you. Amen. If your idol is your material blessings, if my idol is my material thing, nature can turn against it and take it away in an instant, in a moment. Man can take it away in an instant, in a moment. Because idols are temporary. Because they're made out of stuff that God created. Right? So therefore, it's less than God. Nothing can be equal to the Creator. Nothing is more valuable to the Creator. When we create stuff out of the stuff that He created, it must make Him sick. I answered that prayer. What in the world are you doing? Now you're using it as an excuse not to go and do stuff? You're using an excuse not to be in my house? I answered that prayer. You begged, you cried, you sat on your, laid on your face and begged me for that. I gave it to you and I honored you with that. And you can't even come to my house. You're now using that as an excuse. I don't know about you, but God can remove excuses. Amen. Well, wow. 
That's good. Right? He can remove my excuses, and he has in my life. When I was doing everything I could in my job, he took my job away out of nowhere. I was not expecting it. I wasn't fired. I was laid off out of nowhere. When I was comfortable, back in 2007, and I was comfortable and afraid to step out and do what God wanted me to do, and I was worshiping an idol. It caused a car to flip over and me almost die in a car accident and change the course of my life. I hurt to I hurt from that accident almost every morning when I get up. I still have pain in my neck and in my back. It's a reminder that I put an idol in front of him. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when he takes the idol away, it hurts. And it leaves a mark. Wow. But that mark there is to remind us what? Don't put the idol up again. Amen. Leave it alone. Because it ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. And some of us have more than one scar. I do. Because I erect an idol. He tears it down and I'm good for a few years and I build it again. Right? I guess I'm the only one. (laughs) So anyway. God wants us to know. He wants our full attention. He's a jealous God. He will not share us, especially with some inanimate object that he created. Amen. He won't share us. He's a jealous God. He wants our undivided attention. He wants our undivided service. He wants our undivided love. He wants our undivided loyalty and faithfulness. Bottom line is, he wants to be first above all things. God is first and everything else flows underneath that. And if that's not the order in your life and in my life, then that's when we need to step back and say, God, turn my eyes away from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach a loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.